0: Like all of you, I'm on this journey. Only mine started 24 years, 12 weeks, five days, two hours, 36 minutes, and 14, 15, 16 seconds ago. This journey was not of my own choosing. It was set in motion by God himself long before my days came into being. And it's always been his plan to accomplish the unimaginable with me. 27, 28, 29. I've come so far, too far, to turn back now. So no matter how hard this journey becomes, I will stay this course. I will not flinch, I will not blink, and I will not cower. There is no room for fear on this journey, because I know my God is with me. And he's bigger than anything this world Throw my way. Circumstances and setbacks will not dictate this course. 42, 43, 44. Instead I'm reaching out, I'm reaching up for all that my God has for me. 56, 57, 58, 59, 60.
1: Hey, good morning. Uh, If you've been here the last couple weeks, you know that we're in a series called Hard Times, which we think is uh, appropriate for the moment because there's a good chance that uh, many, if not most of us in this room, are experiencing some level of hardship and difficulty in our lives, many of us at at a level that we've never uh, before uh, had to encounter. And even if you happen to be someone who's been able to negotiate the moment and maybe slip through uh, the cracks, chances are you know someone in your life who hasn't, a neighbor, a relative, a friend, who uh, right now, this is one of the toughest moments uh, of their lives. And so, this conversation is appropriate uh, for the moment. And we've uh, been studying and taking a look in the life of a guy by the name of Joseph, and we said why he is uh, qualified or why, why this is the right conversation, the right story to be telling is that because as you watch the journey of Joseph uh, through hard times, Uh, His hard times, the things that happen in his life, the moments in which he prays and it seems like God has uh, no response, the the moments in which you think he's been faithful and yet God hasn't been faithful back, the the lowest of lows, the stuff that he has to navigate uh, in his hard times are lower, they are more difficult, they are more deeply profound than probably any hard time that you and I will ever experience Uh, within our own lives. And yet in that moment, somehow this young man has the capacity to navigate the darkest of dark, the lowest of low, with the absolute confidence that no matter how bad things have gotten, God is still with him. We said uh, the interesting thing is is that even though he uh, sees things and experiences things worse than any of us are probably ever going to experience, he also suddenly moves to a place of opportunity, a place of power and authority, a place of resource that exceeds anything that you and I are ever going to be able to touch in her life. So the lowest of lows, but then the highest of highs. And we're going to discover that in that moment, in the moment of greatest opportunity, in the moment of a a once-in-a-lifetime chance, this guy, again, is simply going to live the moment as if God is with him and that he ultimately belongs to God. He's going to do what anybody else would do in a moment of unparalleled success if he knew in the end of the day that God held his future. And then we talked about a moment that's coming in which God is going to deliver to his hands uh, the people in his life who've hurt him the most. He's going to have the opportunity to get even. He's going to have the wherewithal. He's going to have the resources nobody would question. And we're going to watch what a person does when God delivers my enemies to me who truly believes that God is still in charge. So, we've been doing the journey, and if you've got your Bibles this morning, you can hop over to Genesis chapter uh, 41. Uh, We're going we to begin this together. And actually, what's happening today uh, is that literally the trajectory of the story is changing. That, that what has been all the way up until now extreme trial is suddenly going to transform in an instant into extreme opportunity a a a once-in-a-lifetime chance is going to be placed into the lap of Joseph. The the moment that he's been praying for, the moment that he's been dreaming of, what he he always imagined, I mean, in his wildest dreams might happen is going to happen for Joseph. And here's what we're going to discover. That it is actually harder to pass the test of success than it is to pass the test of hard times. Let let me say that again, because this is absolutely non-intuitive for us. But we're going to figure out today that it is harder, it is harder to follow God, to be close to God, to be obedient to God when I'm successful than it is when I'm struggling. It is harder to pass the test of success than it is the test of hard times. Think about this for a moment. Let's say someone sitting here and having this conversation today sits here with barely two coins to rub together, an empty bank account, and you walk out to the parking lot and for the first time you happen to notice on your car that all four tires are bald. And you think to yourself, how, how do I make it now? And in that moment, if if you're struggling through hard times and, and you walk out to your car and your tires are bald, here's the answer you are suddenly going to become a prayer warrior. See, you're, you're going to be down in your, you're going to be on your drive home from church. You're going to be praying, dear God, dear God, dear God, make these tires last. Make them last till the next paycheck. And hard times actually drive us toward God. Because when you have nothing else to rely on, when there are no other options, suddenly God becomes a best option in your life. Someone else in this room who's not struggling right now, who's got more money than they know what to do with, walks out to their car and notices they have four bald tires. And all of a sudden, same moment, same instant, says, What an opportunity. I can finally buy my new rims and low profile tires. See, so he because here's what happens in the life of us when we are successful we suddenly come to the attitude and the decision, there really isn't any problem. There's, there's nothing that can happen in my life that I can't pretty much overcome, negotiate, navigate if I write a big enough check, which is why, you ready? It is harder to pass the test of success, to be faithful, to lean into God when I'm successful than it is when times are tough. It, it, you and I have been doing this journey together, and, 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 if, and if you and I were going to talk this morning about kind of the, the trajectory of Joseph's life, all the way up until today, it has been a story of demotion. You, you remember that we began this story, Joseph is at home with his brothers and with his family, and, and, and remember we, we admitted that, that it was a little bit of a dysfunctional family, but the answer at the end of the day was he was with his family. And then you remember that his brothers became jealous and they beat him up and they threw him in a pit and lo and behold, a caravan of slave traders was coming by and his brothers came up with a great idea, let's make a profit off our brother and they sold their brother into slavery. And suddenly the young man, who by all likelihood had servants at his command, suddenly are one. And you think about the moment and you go, what would a young man do in a moment like that when the bottom falls out and God isn't listening and his brothers have betrayed? And, and we simply came to the conclusion he would do what anybody would do, any 17-year-old would do who believed that God was still in control. And we watched the moment, and, and you remember the moment Joseph covets in his heart. He, he says, here's what I'm going to do. I, I, I don't know why. I don't understand the hard time that's going on in my life, but here's what I choose to do. I choose to be the best slave in Egypt. It's a remarkable response in the light of demotion. story would be enough if it stopped there, but you remember his slave master's wife begins to take a liking to him, and Joseph rebuffs her advances, and, and, and so she comes up with a story and falsely accuses him of having been too forward. And uh, his master comes home, and ends up throwing Joseph in jail. So now, so now the best slave in Egypt is now in prison, demoted once again for something he didn't even do. And in that moment, a young man simply decides, you ready, I will choose to be the best prisoner in the prison. It's a pretty pretty remarkable story of hard times, and yet, some of us who know the story and know the conversation that we're about to have today, you realize in just a few moments, Joseph is going to go from the jail to Pharaoh's palace. He, he's going to stand in front of the most powerful man in the world, and he's going to be offered a job, and the qualifications for the job, you ready for this? Leadership and administration. What's happened in Joseph's life to prepare him for that job? He was a slave, dragged away from his home and put into a house, and in a moment of absolute despair, a moment of absolute darkness, a moment that most of us would have thrown our faith away, instead Joseph said, I'm going to be the best slave, and God put to me, ready? God enrolls him in leadership 101 in Potiphar's house. He is taught administration 101 as he runs his slave master's household. And all of a sudden, you and I realize, oh my goodness, hard times for Joe were a moment of preparation for promotion. He then, in all likelihood, does what we would consider demotion and goes to prison And what really is happening in that moment is God all of a sudden took him from leadership 101 to leadership 401, because you want to talk about a hard group of people to try to lead, to try to manage, try managing criminals. And so all of a sudden, God puts him in a place where he's going to learn leadership at a level that he would have never learned any other way. He's going to put him in a place of learning administration in one of the hardest contexts in which to learn it in preparation for promotion… What do you think the chances are? What do you think the chances are that if Joseph had stayed at home, the youngest of 10 brothers, that he was ever going to have the opportunity to learn leadership and administration in his own house? He was 10 people away from that moment. And suddenly, you and I come and realize That hard times are preparation for good times. And that if you and I, you ready, how many of you think that if Joseph had gone to his slave owner's house kicking and screaming, saying, this is unfair, I hate it, God, where have you gone, baloney, I'm going to be the worst slave in the world. What if if as they took him off to prison, he had gone kicking and screaming and said, I am going to sit in my cell, I'm going to cry in the corner, I'm not going to do anything here because this isn't my fault. How many of you believe that if Joseph couldn't navigate hard times, that he in any way would have been prepared for what's going to happen next? Because the answer, you guys ready Ready? If you can't navigate tough times with God, you will never pass the test of success because success is harder to navigate with God than hard times are. Some of you know the story. Pharaoh ends up having a dream, and the dream goes something like this. As as Pharaoh's there on his bed, he he sees seven huge, unbelievably well-fattened cows, blue ribbon cows. And lo and behold, up come walking to them seven of the scrawniest, the scruffiest, the mangiest. Matter of fact, Scripture says, and they hardly even look like a cow. But the seven scrawny, mangy cows devour the healthy cows. And Scripture says that after they were done feeding, you couldn't even tell they'd had a meal. Pharaoh wakes up and he goes, "Wow, that that woo!" And I don't think that was the pizza. And so he tries to go back to sleep, and this time he has a second dream. And this time, as he dreams, there's a there's a stalk of wheat, and on the wheat are seven of the most vibrant, bright, shiny, healthy kernels you've ever seen of wheat. And right next to it's another stalk, and on that stalk are wind blown and and drought ravaged kernels of wheat, and the ravaged. Dried-up wheat consumes the healthy, good wheat. And again, Pharaoh wakes up and he goes, okay, this, this, is not, this is not an ordinary… This isn't I fell off a building and I wake up falling dream. This is, this is different than that. Someone's trying to tell me something… And so, in the morning, he calls all of his magicians and his soothsayers and his astrologers and all of his wise guys into the room, and he says, look, here was my dream, here's what happened, fat cows are getting eaten by little scrangy cows, and, you know, what does this mean? You don't want to be the guy who gives Pharaoh the wrong answer. And so, all of his wise men, all of his soothsayers say, Pharaoh, we, we, we don't know, we we.'" We, we, we wouldn't, we have no idea what that's supposed to be about. Lo and behold, a little guy standing at the back of the room, a cupbearer, who two years earlier had been in prison with Joseph, just, just by coincidence, right, hears Pharaoh talking his men and he slinks forward and says, uh, kind of a funny story, I don't know if you remember this or not, a couple years ago you were kind of mad at me and uh, you you threw me in prison and I met this guy, I met this guy there and, and while I was there I had this, I had a dream. And and when I told him what my dream was, this guy nailed it. I mean, he told me exactly what was going to happen next, and sure enough, he said I'd be restored, and here I am, I'm uh, your cupbearer again. I'm pretty sure this Hebrew could answer Pharaoh's dream. So, lo and behold, they call for Joseph, and they clean him up and give him a bath and put some new clothes on him because you don't want to go in front of Pharaoh with your jail clothes on. And you realize, you realize that in and think about the the transition. Joseph is about to have the opportunity of a life. Joseph is going from jail to now standing in front of the most powerful man in the world, a man who by the very spoken word could literally change the trajectory of his life. A, a, A guy who never asked for advice is getting ready to ask him for advice. If this were if this were if this was a, a movie, the music would start behind, da, dun, da, dun, da, dun. and 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 everybody would be saying to themselves, Joseph, whatever you do next, whatever you do, don't blow this one. I mean, this Joseph, this is a fat pitch down the middle of the plate. You, you you're about to get the opportunity of a lifetime, and all you got to do all you got to do, whatever whatever pharaoh wants to hear be sure he hears that and 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 whatever you do look look just just you know don't get off into anything controversial don't don't offend anybody all you gotta do is step up play this play the play this politically correct joseph now i i get it i get it that the people of egypt they worship all these other gods and i and i i get that theologically Joseph, not not now. Whatever you do right now, just get the appointment. And and if you if you feel really compelled to kind of bring God up, wait till after you land the promotion. Joseph, Joseph, Joseph. Whatever you do, don't blow this. This is This is important for you and me because you and I have been in this position, haven't we? You find yourself kind of trying to work up the corporate ladder. You find yourself in a relationship with somebody, and maybe it's not what it ought to be, but if you're going to land it, and some little voice deep within your heart says, look, 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 just just say whatever you got to say. Compromise whatever you got to compromise. Just be quiet about that for a little while. W- whatever party you need to go to, go to the party. W- whatever joke they tell in the office, just kind of laugh along. I mean, look, look, look. This is, this, is, this is not the moment. This is the opportunity of a lifetime. And if you don't play your cards right, you don't do the… You could, you could blow it. So just do whatever you need to do to be successful. And all too often, that's what we've done. See, because let's just be honest. God can be a little bit embarrassing, can't he? I mean, (laughs) Isn't that why we build our life in boxes? Isn't that why we go, okay, okay, I've got my Sunday thing for God, and I show up to church, and I, you know, and, and, and maybe I'll let God kind of intrude in my family a little bit because they kind of know, and, and they get it, and, you know, we pray for meals and stuff. And, but there some places God just doesn't belong. I mean, you don't take God to the office with you. I mean, they just wouldn't, I mean, you know, there's, there's religious world, and then there's corporate world. You don't take God into the polling booth with you. I mean, there's politics, and then there's, and if you really want to get where you're going to get, if you really want to be, you you can't, you don't, there's just some things you don't mix, you don't do that, and so you do. You laugh at the joke, or you make the compromise, it's what you do to be successful because it's harder to follow God in success. It's harder to pass the test of success than it is to pass the test of trials because when success comes, when the moment comes, when the opportunity comes and what you've dreamed of in your life, there'll be more zeros attached than you've ever seen in your life The margin of failure, the fall, is more than you'll believe you can survive. And it's harder to pass the test of success than the test of trial. And in that moment, watch what Joseph does. He comes, and he's brought before Pharaoh. Pharaoh uh, tells him uh, a little bit about his dream, Verse 15. Genesis chapter 41, verse 15. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream, and no one can interpret it. But I have heard it said that you, when you hear a dream, can interpret it. All you got to do, Joseph, all you got to do is go, yep, yep, that's me, dream interpreter. Look how Joseph responds. I cannot do it. I don't, I don't know about you, but if you're applying for a job, that's probably the wrong response. I know you're thinking about hiring. So I can't do it. And if that's not bad enough, if that's not enough of a stumble, if we haven't just fumbled it, I cannot do it, Joseph replied to Pharaoh. But God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. Are you kidding me? Guys, think, Pharaoh thinks he is a god. And, and, what, and, what, and what Joseph has just said is... Pharaoh, I, I know you're confused, I understand, I, I, know, I know you don't get the answer, but there's someone who is bigger than you, there's someone who is stronger than you, there's someone who is smarter than you, and he happens to be my wonderful, loving God, who, oh, by the way, has just left me in jail for seven years, and he will give you the answer. How much courage does that reply take? What, is it, what does it take to be at the opportunity of a lifetime, to be, to be in a moment where everything you hoped for, everything you dreamed is about to happen? You're getting out of jail. And in that moment, to declare openly, you realize if, if you get me, what you get? You get a God follower. How brave is that response? can almost hear the magicians and soothsayers begin to hum, na-na-na-na, na-na-na-na, hey, 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 goodbye. You had your chance, I mean, here it was, opportunity of life, and you just had to throw a little God in. I think you and I had an opportunity to kind of see this moment lived out a couple months ago. Miss America pageant, I assume most of you probably saw or heard a little bit about it. Miss California's down, she's she's one of the last two. And they ask her a question. They ask her a question that flies right in the face of her Christian convictions and her biblical beliefs. And then there's this pause. And you can just tell that everybody watching that moment is going, just, just, just say whatever they want to hear. Just, just no, no, just, just don't, no, don't say the other. Just, just whatever you got to do, get the crown. And then, if you have to tell everybody you're a believer, then if you have to roll out your, do it then. But right now, just be politically correct in the moment. Do whatever you got to do. When will you ever again be one question away from being Miss America? Don't blow it. Don't blow it. Don't blow it. And I think most of us know what she remember we've got the clip right now. Let's roll that for a second.
0: Your question comes from judge number 8, Rez Hilton. Are we worried? You should be. <laughs> Vermont recently became the fourth state to legalize same-sex marriage. Do you think every state should follow suit? Why or why not?
1: Well, I think it's great that Americans are able to choose one or the other. Um, We live in a land that you can choose same-sex marriage or opposite marriage. And you know what? in my country and in, in, in my family, I think that I believe that
0: a marriage should be between a man and a woman. No offense to anybody out there, but that's how I was raised, and that's how I think that it should be between a man and a woman. Thank you. Thank you very much.
1: One question. One question away from being Miss America. What do you do What do you do in the midst of success? What do you do in the midst of the opportunity of a lifetime? Do you pack your faith away? Now, guys, I I get it. I get that since then there's been pictures that have come out, and I get that I'm not that thrilled with some of the responses, you know, I've heard back and forth. I'm not peddling any of that. I'm just simply saying, how much courage did it take to be standing on national TV to have someone ask that question? And to simply say, look, I I may have blown this a hundred times before. I may have made a ton of mistakes before. I may have had other moments in which I strove for success and made the compromise and made a bad answer. But today, today, one question away from being Miss America, I'll do the right thing. How much courage does that take? You get that Joseph doesn't leave it there. That, I mean, it'd, it'd be enough if you just kind of tossed God in there and, you know, maybe it would, could go by the moment and nobody would uh, notice too much and, and maybe they'd forget it. And, and so Pharaoh goes on, tells him uh, what the dream was, and, and then in Joseph's response, he comes back time after time and says, well, this dream is about what God is going to do, Pharaoh. This, this dream is God delivered. This is Pharaoh. This is God. talk." And so he just keeps putting God in every bit of his uh, response. Matter of fact, look what he says in uh, verse 32. He says, the reason the dream was given to Pharaoh in two forms is that the matter has been firmly decided by God, and God will do it soon. Hey, Pharaoh, 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 I know you think you're God. I, I, know, I know the politically correct thing right now is to bow extra low and just play along. I, I, I get it. I get, I get, I get that, that, that I could move forward in success more probably if I didn't say the things I'm saying, but, but here's what I have to say to you. There is a God who is bigger than you, smarter than you, stronger than you, and what's about to happen is Him, and there is nothing you can do to change this, to make it go away. The only thing you can do is prepare. And so here's what I would just suggest. I would just say, look, you need to find somebody who has the gifts of administration and leadership. And and you need to promote them and and let them get some other individuals to come along, some assistants to come along. And in the seven years of plenty, let's gather in one-fifth of the crop. Let's put it in barns and storehouses, and we'll save it. And when the seven years of famine come, then let those same administrators then give it out equally equally. To everybody, and we can save Egypt. Because God, ready? God is going to do what God is going to do. And you can either choose to believe that or ignore it to your peril. Why can't Joseph just leave it alone? Why, why, why does he have to just put it out? I mean, You get what he's doing, right? After all he's been through, now he stands in the moment to have the opportunity of a lifetime, and he's going to set the stage to say, whatever happens next, my God holds my future, not a king. See, he's saying to everybody who's in that room, everybody who's watching this moment, everybody who's wringing their hands going, oh man, how far, how long until he lops Joseph's head off. As everybody watches on, here's what he's saying in that moment. I know all of you guys can see Pharaoh sitting here on his throne. What you may not see is that God is here too, and he is with me. And and I know that you all believe that this guy, that this king has my future in his hands. And what I'm declaring and what I want everybody to know, no matter what happens next, is my future is in the hands of my God. And no king determines what's next for me. Because my God is bigger and stronger and smarter than even Pharaoh. That's why it's always harder to navigate success, because the stakes will be bigger, the fall will look further, there'll be more zeros attached. Years ago, my wife, Lisa, was starting out in real estate, and I happened to have the occasion to go with her a couple times as we were going out to meet clients, and we needed her to be successful. (laughs) And uh, I happened to notice that as she was out interviewing with clients, you know, saying this is what I would do if I were your real estate agent, having that first initial conversation, that somehow she always worked in, no matter how awkward, how weird, how just kind of whoo, out there, she would say to every single client, you, you just need to know, I'm a Christian, I, uh, I'm actually a pastor's wife, and my husband is the pastor of Cornerstone. And so I got to think to myself, well, that's kind of lousy, because if she does a bad job. (laughs) So I asked her, I said, you know, Lisa, help me out. I mean, why, I have noted every single client, every prospective client you have that you somewhere, no matter how awkward, how weird, how you toss that out there. Why do you do that? Why do you feel compelled? Here was her answer. She said, in an industry, where you never really know exactly what you're going to get. I want anybody who hires me to know that I am a God follower, to know day one what they're signing on for. But she said, you know, maybe more importantly than that, I know that once I get that out there, that I've got to do what is God-honoring because I am representing my Lord, I am representing my church, and I am representing my husband. And it's harder to navigate the test of success than it is the test of hard times. It's interesting what happens next, the story. Verse 37 The plan seemed good to Pharaoh and to all of his officials. So Pharaoh asked them, can we find anyone like this man, one in whom is the Spirit of God? Think about, this, think about this a minute. You have a heathen king. You have a guy who just a few minutes before would have told you, I am a God. Now saying the number one qualification of this guy is that God is with him. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace, and all of my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. How many of you think this guy passes the test of success if he hadn't already passed the test of hard times? Who thinks God even gives him the opportunity to stand in front of Pharaoh if he hadn't already been faithful in hard times. And you get that his faithfulness in hard times actually becomes his resume for the promotion. Which brings it back to you and me. Because what you and I do next what you and I do right now, because you if your God is too small to handle your finances right now, and you're going, look, 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 I better navigate this myself, I better do what makes sense to me, and I can't trust God financially. If, if God is smaller than your marriage, and, and you're going, look, 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 I, I'm going fi- to fix this, I'll take control, I'll, 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 If you're single and God's not big enough to find you the right mate, because if you can't pass the test of hard times, you and I already know what you'll do. And the opportunity of a lifetime sits in your lap and we'll fail. We'll fail the test of success. Because it's harder to follow God when you're successful than it is when times are tough. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus. See, we, we, we kept saying to ourselves, no, 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 when things get better, then it'll be easier to follow God. When, when, when God helps me have more money in my bank account, or you know, when, when there's plenty of guys knocking on my door, or when, when my marriage is headed in the right direction, it'll be simple to be faithful. And what we didn't understand is that hard times, hard times actually are the resume. For good times that what we do now what we do when there isn't enough and when i can't figure out how to make it and, and it looks like i've been demoted again builds my heart builds my courage that when i stand with the opportunity of a lifetime to not cower in fear and compromise and forget my God. It sets me up to pass the test of success. So God, we're just going to say, please, please, please find us faithful in the tough times. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.